WDBM East Lansing. The impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Do not let that soothing music dis- um, influence you because tonight is the second Tuesday of the month. And this year, the second Tuesdays of the month means that Owens Health Center comes in and they take over with me. And we are mutual hosts and we host Impact Sex Exposure. And tonight's topic is sex. So everyone in the studio, can you go around and introduce who you are, starting with Kevin? Uh, I'm Kevin. I'm with the staff support at Student Health Services. Erica Felipich, Student Health Services, Center for Sexual Health Promotion. And this is Dr. D. And Emily forgets to say that it's also a full moon, so expect the unexpected as we quiz Miss Emily on whether she is (laughs) sexy. Now, she thinks she's sexy, but is she sex educated? Do explain, Dr. D. Well, no, no. It's, you know, we, we say, you know, we both say, do you think you're sexy? And, 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 you know, a lot of students, when they come to MSU, believe they know everything there is to know about sex and healthy sexuality. I mean, we've all seen it. We've been through AOP and POP, and we've seen students come here, and we hear a lot of stuff in the first couple of weeks. But are our students actually sexy? Now, this is actually around the 10th anniversary of Sexposure. I don't think you know that. I do not know and that. And so we have a, we're going to have a banner year, right, Kevin? Oh, you betcha. We're going to bring in guests that are going to fly the roof off of Impact and, and have people calling in saying, can I be part of this? Can I be part of Sexposure? But you, if you can't call in unless... You call the number, which is 432-3893. You should write it down now so you can call them later because we're going to be talking about a lot of hot topics, and you're going to have questions, you're going to have comments, and if you call in, you can win a prize pack from Olin Health Center. And again, write it down, 432-3893. Yeah, and then the prize pack, you get definitely the complimentary lube and condoms. Uh, we got a sex etiquette book in there. We got some blow pops, of course. Wait a minute, just don't blow by the sex etiquette I'm book. I'm sorry, the what sex, is sex etiquette Which explains book. everything that's in the actual kit. Um, and we got some coupons for uh, some food out there from East Lansing establishments as well. So. Complimentary. Pizza. Right. Oh, we're going to load that pack up. Oh, we'll, we'll continue to add to the bag. That sexual etiquette 101 book is the highest book on top. He got we're the bag it. with him. Yeah, he, he did. Got the bag with sex him. etiquette 101 has pictures. Yes, you it does. More. If you're interested. Pictures. And the pictures are for who? For men and women. <laughs> men and women. I like the way she says that. I mean, the purpose of why we started doing sex exposure years ago was because we knew that people had questions about uh, sex and sexuality, and we opened it up. And Impact was uh, brave enough to put us on the air and actually have a call-in show. And over the years, we've had a lot of call-ins and some show-ups even. Uh, (laughs) So we do expect to have a healthy agenda for you this year. Uh, quite a few topics, right, Erica? Always. I mean, Always the, the topics are flowing already in the beginning of the year. We've okay. seen it in the news. We've seen it everywhere. And I see Kevin's put an agenda together for us tonight, and we may or may not stick to that agenda. It's a very I, loose agenda. We can... I'm more interested to find out whether Emily passed the test. <laughs> oh, <laughs> test because, what did the test consist of, first of all? Well, I saw, I saw her writing down some of the answers there, and I'm going, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and and how, did I, how did I pass on the sex-e-sex education test? Well, I, 
I looked at I, the very first question, and you, you you blew that one. So I blew it. No, you absolutely absolutely <laughs> blew that one, and we will tell you why. You, <laughs> Let's not say it that way. We don't even know what the question is yet, but 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 we're but we're here to answer your questions and to give you some information, and that's what we're all about, and have some fun with you, right, Emily? But off air, we asked you about how's your sex life, didn't we? You did, and I think she refused to say anything on the air. But well, but but you you blushed, and and I've known you for what four years now, and I've never seen you blush. But you said you have a new relationship going, and. Whenever you ask that question of somebody, they always refer right to the behavior that extends from your body about sex. And you know, if I say, how's your sex life, it could be about, you know, how's your body? Uh, how's, how do you feel about who you are as a woman? It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, when you say, how's your sex life, it's how many times I've done it. <laughs> I'm in still blushing for her, though. <laughs> and is he or she good? So we want to talk about everything that sex is or sex isn't in the minds of students, right? That's right. So, Kevin, where do we want to start? Do you want to talk about some of the stuff in the news, and should we, should we get to right, right away to embarrassing Emily about her test? Well, I guess I'll, sp I'll spare that. Emily a little bit. We'll, we'll ease her in. Um, I don't know. I just kind of, when I was putting the agenda together, it was uh, kind of mixing the fact that for the past three years I've been working with, the, like you mentioned, the freshman orientation programs as well as the um, uh, students that I've worked with in the health ed department at Student Health Services, uh, and kind of just thought to myself, so, well, all these incoming students and returning students like where they come from where and what uh, fashion did they learn sexual education and if has that if they've actually learned it and if that's prepared them or has ill prepared them for college and that's kind of where I focused in that area is where I came from I guess I came from a Catholic school which I've mentioned on the show before and like I was taught abstinence which kind of brought me to an article that I found uh, from 2007, of course, but it was talking about uh, abstinence is being reduced, their funding is being reduced in Texas. And then I picked the extreme opposite. Uh, New York City is of recently. New York has uh, mandated that they uh, uh, teach sex education, a proper way to put on a condom in their public schooling. Well, so wait, I was like, you, you did AOP all summer. I mean, you hosted AOP. And, I, and it kind of makes me, like I said, And wonder. you saw all these freshmen coming in. And wasn't there a question about their perception of sex on campus? Yes, but not everyone got a chance to speak or answer the question. Yeah, but how did they answer that question? What was the question that we asked? What was the exact question? Um, one of the questions was, how many, what's the average number of partners an MSU student has reported in the last year, and academic I, year. I believe the last answer was E, 10 or more. No, oh, um, that was drinks. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking about so, so, so before we tell them the answer, let's give let's give the listeners a chance to call in and let's say, what, well, what do you think the number of partners? Because we're always surprised about that because the incoming freshmen always have a perception about what happens on campus. Oh, certainly. But we know because we, we collect the data from people. Mm -hmm. And we collect a data about how many partners have you had, who's sexually active, and I think it shocks people. And people don't ever think that these, these st stats are real. They think people are lying when they're done anonymously, anonymously, which people have no reason to lie, I guess, on an anonymous piece of paper, which is kind of funny. Well, and, and the hilarious part is that we actually, I got a chance to talk to parents all summer. And you, know, <laughs> you know how these parents are helicopter parents or even Blackhawk uh, parents <laughs> this year. Closely. I mean, they watch so closely. And we put up the stat that, and I'll say this because it won't give it away, we put up the stat that 75% of MSU students reported being sexually active last year. And we always notoriously get a parent who raises their hand and say, 
how can you say that to the students that 75 percent are sexually active? I say, we say that because they, they think are. everybody's sexually active and they have 10 or more partners. Swing up on the chandeliers. Right. right. So what we want them to know is that, you know, some people choose not to be sexually active. And if you're looking at 24, 25 percent, you're talking about 10,000 students. Almost 12,000. Who, who choose just in that last year. Right. I mean, they could have been sexually active prior years, but just for that year, they were focusing on what school, something else that well, took most of their life. And I don't think we advocate, that, or anybody else advocates, or Impact would advocate that you be abstinent, or that right. you choose not to be sexually active. But when you think everybody is sexually active, you need to know that some people choose not to be for one reason or another, not because they went to a Catholic school. But it's because I have to mention it every time, though, <laughs> especially if we're talking about sexual education. It's, it's that Catholic guilt. Yes. I have it, too. We, we've asked you before about, I mean, what type of education you had about sex growing up, right? I think so. And, and what, did you ever have any sex education in K-12? through yeah, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Was Personal it plumbing or was it actually uh, relevant topics? I think it, I think it was pretty relevant. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't abstinence-only education by any means. Well, so that's what's New York, when New York is saying that they're mandating mm-hmm. sex education. They're not just mandating plumbing, but they're right. actually mandating... The, they're even going into the proper age to be sexually active, though, the maturity levels, I guess, of all. And then, actually, they did say in the article that parents do have an opt-out uh, part where they can opt out of the actual, what was it exactly, um, the teaching of birth right. control methods. They can opt out f- from that specific okay, section okay. within so the semester. Okay, so we can opt out of some of sexual, some of sexual but, health. But you'll right. get the STIs and the... You'll get all of them, yes. No. Mm-hmm. And apparently the, for the past 20 years, high, all high schools in New York City have been handing out condoms. So that's kind of interesting as well when they have the opportunity in this new mandate to opt out of the birth control methods. <laughs> and, it, and again, I want to throw out that number um, for our listeners. It's 432-3893. We want to know your opinions on what we're talking about. And also, we want to know how many, wait, what is it, how many partners you think? How many we, partners you think the, the average MSU student had last year? Yeah, give us a number. One. And that's, yeah, so we want to know how many partners you think the average MSU student have, and that's 432-3893. But, Kevin, another interesting thing I found in this article, um, the one about abstinence education, <laughs> is is they said that there was a, a nine-year study that, that cost $8 million and in which scientists followed middle school children enrolled in four separate abstinence programs for about five years. And, and then they found that no difference, there was no difference in, in the age of the first intercourse between them and their peers Shocking. from abstinence-only education versus comprehensive, your regular sex education. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, uh, I mean that, that's, that's part for the course. That's not the only study that's been done. Right. And, you know, let's make the, let's make the distinction. There's a difference between abstinence-only education and some that are abstinence-based. Abstinence-based will include all the other things we're talking about is, you know, birth control methods and contraceptive and stuff like that in, in some of those cases. But, you know, how can you just fund a program or support a program that just says no? Don't do it mm-hmm. without any support for why you shouldn't, how you shouldn't, and respect for the individual that they all have a sexuality. I mean, you know, we've said it a thousand times. Uh, you can you can choose not to be sexually active, and you can choose not to be to necessarily declare you're sexually active, but you can't deny that you have a sexuality because it's everything you are as a male or female. 
influence everything you do, you, how you dress, how you look, how you act and, and interact with the world. So you can't deny that, but you can choose not to have a sexuality, but tell somebody that, no, just don't do it and not tell you anything about what it means to be healthy sexually, just not fair. No one's going to sit back and say, okay, this makes sense. I'm just going to say no to myself and no to everything else. Right. Well, it so. kind of all goes down to the reasoning as to why they think it's bad or why they think it promotes maybe more casual sex, as some uh, advocates of abstinence have said. The, it promotes uh, casual sex time. is like toxic, and it's uh, kind of toxic to future marriage or... Or, or whatever other beliefs that they have. Um, and some, I think, even take it to, and I don't want to get into this extreme topic, but they think of it as an opposition to abortion, which was kind of uh, listed in the article about abstinence, which I kind of thought was, of course, the extreme end of it. Um, teaching a, health, like a healthy sexuality or sexual health uh, and thinking that it's taking to that level of, some people think it's opening the door to opposing abortion. So I have a question. In, in this article, it talks about how New York City is now mandating um, sex education for everyone as of this year. Um, it says that this, the city does not tell schools what they have to teach as far as sex ed. So I'm curious for, for you guys, what do you think is the most important thing to teach and how would you teach it Ooh, for sex ed? Million dollar question. How do you use them? <laughs> How about that? Well, no, you know, Jocelyn Elders, who was a Surgeon General back in 1999, I believe, had a perspective on what should be taught. And there, there's a group out there called SECUS, the Sex Information Education Council of the U.S., which has put together a comprehensive sexuality developmental a plan for what should be taught at each ages. And it really comes down to what do we think our child would need to know to navigate this world when it comes to their sexuality. And some, some of it is as early as, you know, two, three years old. You teach them about body parts. You teach them about what is what. And so there's, there's all kinds of things. And that's kind of why we brought in the do you think you're sexy? Because some people think that sexy is all about what you wear and how you, you, how you strut and everything like that. But it's really about what do you know? You know, it's just the question we ask during AOP. It's a perception question. We want people to understand that there's a lot of misperceptions about sex and sexuality. So what they need to know is, is developmentally appropriate, but they do need... I think we have probably... <clears throat> the phones might light up on this one. We have the least educated group of incoming students about sex and sexuality than we've ever had. Wow, and why, why do you say that? They're a product of that large abstinence-only mandate that our country had for a very long time. And so now we're, we're getting the fruits of that. I'm curious to see what's going to happen at Olden Health Center this year then. Well, like it, it's, you know, we're, as we try to push the envelope and allow people to tell us what is it that they need to know, because we're all HIV counselors. We've all been HIV counselors for a while. Kevin, just for a year now? Well, uh, six less months. Than that. And, and having been an HIV counselor for 17 years now, Having seen people come in, and after we do the counseling and they get, you know, 99% of the time they get their negative result, there's always been that question that we ask them, so what is it that you want to know? You know, and it, you would believe the number of questions students ask about, uh, should I do it? How do I do it? 
What's down there? Should I touch down there? How do I do all these questions what's a, about what's a female condom and what right, does it what, do? How does it? Well, how can I say no? How can I say yes? How can I have pleasure? Am I entitled to have pleasure? Oh my God! I mean, I actually can have pleasure out of this. Some people don't know anything about that, and this generation is probably the least knowledgeable. Even though they believe with the internet and everything, they're the most knowledgeable. But nobody ever talks to them about it. You get it from the internet. It must be true. Must be. That's where I got all this information for the agenda. And <laughs> just on that note, we have our first caller of the evening. Caller, Hello. you on Impact Sexposure. Hi, yeah. Um, just driving through Lansing, hearing this station. And, uh, it's you know, everything you guys are talking about is, is really great. I think a lot of people come into college, you know, seeing what the media portrays as, um, you know, a pretty sex-crazy atmosphere. Um, and, you know, I, I bet a lot of people think, you know, wow, all my friends are, you know, hooking up every weekend. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of a pressure to, to go out to parties and, and try and try and find someone. And they don't really know, you know, the just kind of how to interact with people. And so I, I guess I was calling in just to say I think, you know, probably people find maybe two, maximum three partners in a year. That, that's kind of what my guess was. I'm not sure what the answer is, but... Well, even, even yeah, I think you made one of the most profound statements I've heard in a while about yes. not only perception, but about the pressure that perception puts on you. I mean, all these articles have been written about the hookup culture and all this stuff about you have to hook up to be a man or a woman or, or whatever. Uh, you make the statement that, uh, you know, this pressure of going out to parties and hooking up. No, that pressure isn't there. You're not quite right on the answer, but you're right enough to get our complimentary pack. <laughs> so please stay in the line, because the answer is actually... It's actually one. One, one. one partner. Within the last year. Yep. Now, we wow. all know, we all think we know somebody who's had 10 or more partners, and we've all watched one, t one too many episodes or one too many viewings of Animal House, so we think everybody has 10 or more partners. <laughs> or but in actuality, the majority of students are monogamous. Mm -hmm. Nearly, what, 75% of those who are sexually active? And we even got taken to task last year, I think it was last year, uh, by our, our student paper about that couldn't be right. You know, you know, Olin Health Center is giving wrong information about data that we've collected for 10 years that showed the same trend for 10 years because we, we've got to hold on to our misperception that this is a sexually active campus and that we all have 10 or more partners. So, And caller, just a curious question. Uh, what is your past sexual education, if you don't mind me asking? Were you taught abstinence in grade school, high school, or...? Um. Yeah, well, we had we had the um, you know the sex ed class in fifth grade, but <laughs> besides besides that, um, yeah, that was pretty much like you said, just the plumbing. It wasn't so much you know what's um, what's socially acceptable. That's just kind of something you you learn from your peers or right. uh, you know from the media, which isn't isn't always the best thing to to learn from. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling yeah, no in. Yep. Thanks. And again, for our listeners, the phone number is 517-432-3893. I think we should turn to our first question about, do we think Emily is sexy? <laughs> well, I filled out the survey, and again, for our listeners, sexy, it's not S-E-X-Y, it's X-E-S, or X-E-X. Dash e. And a lot of this, a lot of this uh, survey is uh, based on, uh, I'm sorry, our Do You Think Your Sexy quiz is based on surveys over the years. And some of this was older data, but some of it's been updated, and some of it hasn't really changed at all. So you would answer this how you would think the majority of people would answer this. 
So the first question is, who gets the most pleasure from lovemaking? And lovemaking will... will, will <laughs> Emily's already blushing. I do. <laughs> and your answers were... <laughs> did you say I do? I said I do. Okay, good. <laughs> well, the answers were, you could have chose from A, men, B, women, or C, most sexes enjoy lovemaking equally. And, and you know, the politically correct people usually put most sexes enjoy lovemaking <laughs> equally. And equal. So we're answering the question based on how we think everyone else would think, not us personally. Well, both you and your, your perceptions are based on what you think other people would do too. Okay. I take so, back my answer then. So who gets the most pleasure from lovemaking? Well, the surveys show overwhelmingly that men report getting more pleasure from lovemaking than women. And that would back up my experience, not only in the classroom, but in HIV counseling, when I never get a man who says, can you show me how to get more pleasure out of lovemaking? But you do get women who say, not only do I need permission to get pleasure from sex, but how do I do that? And how do I negotiate that? And how do I know, tell somebody that I would like a little bit more of this and a little less, less of this? I don't think, and please call in if you think differently, I don't think most men... 432-3893. Do you think most men have that problem? Do I think so? Yeah. Sure. I, I think so. No. <laughs> um, is that sarcasm, Kevin? I, you could go both ways. If it's wrong, then no. If it is, then yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like you, your question to me was, do I think most men like you, to talk about that? No, like, do you think most men have trouble understanding how to get pleasure from their their sexual experiences. Mm. What do you I'm think, Erica? No. You're shaking no? no? I feel like they're the one poking around. I feel like they have a little more control. <laughs> poking around. Rather than being invaded sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's well, like Risk now. We're playing Risk. Okay. Yes. Um, well, and it's... There's one thing. It's there. It's in plain sight. And with women, it's not. You're right. Um, hold. Look at that face. <laughs> What is the, which, who's making the face? <laughs> Dr. Well, you know, and, with, and counseling, too, like Dennis mentioned, the floodgates kind of open and all these questions come out mm -hmm. um, one after the other. And sometimes women are not aware that the clitoris is separate from the vaginal opening and that they urinate out of a different area. 23 minutes into the show, we finally said clitoris. 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 Uh, ding, ding. I can't tell you how many times uh, I have taught this class, either here at MSU or at LCC, when I have women make their own body parts out of Play-Doh. And they cannot necessarily even make the vagina the way it's actually uh, anatomically correct or even call it by the right parts because many of them wouldn't even put the, the clitoris on it and when they put the clitoris on it they'd, I'd say what is that they'd say well you know that's the that's working the, around the answer that's the, that's the fun spot or that's the pleasure spot I say what is it well you, you know you, you you tell them you tell them what it is you know but men they make their penises out of these big play-doh things that's the penis that's the shaft they need two play-doh this is where you right? have the two containers. this is where you have the pleasure right down this side you know like this but women and I'm not saying that's a deficit I'm saying that's part of our educational system that's part of our culture but uh, I think men don't have as much trouble finding out how to have pleasure from sexual interactions, whether it's with another male or it's with a female or with themselves, but women do. Yes. Well, and society does not help that. I mean, you see, if we're going to go with the animal house, it's all about the men and it's all about what they can conquer. And the woman has to be like this soft, subdued individual that has to be like followed and come after and provoked. And she's not allowed to be overtly sexual or even act like she may want to have sex. Well, and the next question I would throw out to our callers at this number. 432-3893. I'm going to jump to question 10. 
which uh, the question is this. For the most part, male and female orgasms are identical. True or false? False. No, that was a caller question. Oh, dang it. Sorry, 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 sorry. Let's try again. And again, sorry, the phone number. I just wanted to repeat the phone number, really. 432 3893. Well, you blew that one. You're not going to get a prize back, I was just so excited about it. Well, I I chose that one because you got that one absolutely wrong, too. I did? Yes. Because we're talking about, we're not talking about ejaculation. We're talking about the physiological process of orgasms are almost identical in male and female. There's not a lot of difference. Now, the anatomics are different, and, and the trigger spots might, but, but the orgasms are identical. And it's one of those questions, once again, if you don't know quite the answer, and you don't quite know what the knowledge is, how are you going to be best prepared to interact with somebody, or even with your own body, to be honest? So we, now we have to pick another question. Well, so now we have to pick, yeah, sorry, guys. I'm and if you do call in, we do have bubblegum-flavored lube. Ooh. So what is that number again? Four three two three eighty nine three. I just wanted you to say it again. Okay, here's one. No, don't blurt this one out. I won't. Okay, we'll go to number thirteen. B. Okay. Is it I don't po- know. I'm just kidding. Is it possible for a man to have more than one orgasm per ejaculation? You know, a I, true. B, don't 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 don't. I go didn't there. even answer this question because I had no idea. A true. B false. Okay, so that's that's what we want you to call Next in. And we'll have, what is it again? Is it possible for men to have more than one orgasm? Per ejaculation. Now, I know there's some... 26 folks. minutes and we said ejaculation. <laughs> <laughs> so call in and tell us what you think the answer is. And don't assume. So 432-3893. So let's go, let's go to the next one for you. Okay. Okay. Oh, you guys want to choose one? Or do you have the questions? No, I don't have the questions. Okay. So. I gave you a uh, copy. So here we go. Now we're question number three. Overall, how satisfied are most couples with their sexual relationships? Would you say A, dissatisfied, B, highly satisfied, or C, moderately satisfied? I would say moderately satisfied. Let's give one ring-a-ding for Emily here, because that is true. The the majority of people said moderately satisfied, but one-third of the couples in this survey said they were dissatisfied. Mm. Now, that's a dissatisfaction that they would put on a survey, but not necessarily talk amongst themselves about, because very rarely do couples actually talk about They'll talk about what they're going to have for dinner. They're going to talk about what they're going to go out and do. But they don't talk about the quality of the sexual relationship. They just do it. <laughs> am, I, am I right or not? No, I think that's, yeah, yeah. it's hard to bring, to bring that up. And so often, especially if it's the first time someone's had to do that, they don't know where to start. Ooh, and so how, how do they start? You care about that. How do they start? Do you <laughs> sit down afterwards and say, hey, come on, let's review that. <laughs> let's review how that went. Like, you know? Well, but, it kind of reminds me of there's a commercial out for a condom brand, I believe, and uh, there's these two English couple. They're older, and they're talking to each other about their cafe, whatever they're drinking, whether it be coffee or whatever, and they're talking about the sugar and whatever was in the actual ingredients, and <laughs> subtitles explain that they're having a talk about their sex, and that kind of just goes along the lines of, well, do they use code? Code certain things, certain signs that let them know, non-verbals, not necessarily, ooh, let's talk about this, like we would talk about going to pick out our groceries. And But why wouldn't you talk about the quality? I mean, isn't it, if it's important to you, wouldn't you talk about it? Well, you guys were just talking about how we are in this generation where we're taught to not necessarily be as vocal about it, because we aren't even taught it vocally from our peers or our, our adults, teachers. But we have the pressure to hook up and at least do it and record it. 
Yes, and then put it on YouTube. And then, yes, put it on YouTube. Put, put it on YouTube. <laughs> okay, Speaking Emily. Recording. Let's, let's jump to the question that will connect with question number one for you. And please look at your, your answer sheet, please. Yes, I am. Number eight. Answer sheet. Number uh, eight. In this survey, how much time does the average couple, do you think the average couple, devote to foreplay before going on to intercourse? I feel like I'm cheating because I feel like I've heard this answer before. But I think it's six to ten minutes. Uh, well, actually, the answer is C, 11, 11 to, to 15, 15 minutes. 11 to 15. But, and I think uh, our our uh, representative, Tina Tim, from Sex Ed would say that that's considered a, a quickie. quickie. <laughs> you know, 11 to 15 minutes and quickie. And that the average woman, woman reports that in order to feel satisfied or fulfilled, they report wanting 30 minutes of foreplay before going into intercourse. So knowing that... Does your answer to number one surprise you now? Because if the average woman says, whether it's in the heterosexual or gay relationship or whatever, that they need 30 minutes for satisfaction, it doesn't surprise you why most men say they're satisfied and most women say they're not satisfied. Because it, women don't have enough time for play. Guys before. just need to hold out 15 more minutes. <laughs> is that what you're saying, Doctor D? Is I'm just saying more peace about peace. It's about conversation. Say what do you what do you want? To what duration do you want? And how do you want to be touched? And do you want to be touched? Or is it the right time? Because <laughs> I just I'm watching your body language as we're talking. You're like, okay, this is, this is getting a little uncomfortable. But it is that conversation that we we have or don't have, and it it all comes back to: Do you think you're sexy? Do you have the information you need? in order to negotiate that type of conversation or a quality relationship. It's hard to do. I mean, it's, especially like, you know, we talked about no one really, I think the caller brought it up as well. There's no one teaches you how to have that conversation and how to talk to your peers or your partner. About in a social environment, even like in a regular, like every day-to-day -day situation. You're taught maybe the, the plumbing games you said earlier. But using that plumbing, how do you use the plumbing? Well, and this is not a conversation you have over text, bunchy nope. chat. Um, talk to somebody. Actually sit down and talk to them. Um, I don't know how often I see students, like, pl they're plugged into everything, and they are never just sitting reading a book anymore on campus or just walking peacefully to and from class. They're always on an iPod or on a phone or some other contraption. There's not, like, a real human contact to anything much anymore. I think that also does not help the situation. Can that be a show? Electronics and right. sex. <laughs> Electronics and sex. <laughs> How they become a, you have an infection, a barrier yeah, and or not a barrier. Right. And we're still we're still waiting for an answer to our question. Is it possible for a man to have more than one orgasm per ejaculation? And if you know that answer, you think you know that answer, you want that complimentary prize package, which is filled with what everything Kevin said tonight. And we don't we don't need names. You don't need to tell us your name or who you are. We're just Number is? 432-389-3. So. Right. Should we go on to the next question? Let's do it. So do what it. are you now? One for three? Um... <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes. Actually, I don't think I've gotten any of them right. Oh, except for the one that I blurted out that the college was supposed to answer. <laughs> well, you know, and, uh, you know, Kevin mentioned it, but I'll say it too because I'll divulge it. I'm a, I'm a product of uh, 
a parochial school environment, <coughs> a, a Catholic environment, and, and, and Erica is too. So uh, we, I think we've all only had plumbing courses, mm -hmm. and we've all felt like we needed, you know, uh, some more education as we went along. Luckily, I did get some from Erica here. <laughs> That's probably Thank the problem. you, Erica. Thank you. <laughs> so, so in, in answering these questions, you know, first time through, I'm not sure at your age or your age, and I could answer these questions without the background information. So they're not, they're not easy questions, and I'll bet you most of the callers would not get a lot of these. Right? So the next one. On average, how many minutes do most men maintain an erection after a penis enters the vagina? So now oh, this one was a funny one. I laughed out loud about this one. Here are the choices. Yeah. Again, the question. On average, how many minutes do most men maintain an erection after the penis enters the vagina? A, less than one. Now, well, let me just say, the less than one thing, whenever I put that to a class, there are always a lot of people who go, yeah! And it's never men. <laughs> oh, oh, the girls no. raise their hands. No, it's, it's, it's never men. And, and, and the women raise their hands usually go, That's funny. Darn! Wow, man. So less than one. That's less zero. than one. I laughed. I was like, there's no way. Okay, well, one to five, B, C, five to ten, or D, over ten. And what do you think the answer is? Over ten. Oh, my God, you wishful thinking. <laughs> is it less than one? It's B, one no. to five. One to five? Wow. One to five. The majority, so, the majority of people answer one to five, although 18% of the sample answered less than one. So there are 18% of this sample that said... Most men don't maintain erection more than one minute after it enters an orifice. So, so on average, people are having sex one to five minutes. Well, intercourse, not for, not including foreplay. So not he needs to go foreplay. for thirty That's... minutes of foreplay to meet the standards <laughs> of the five-minute erection inside well, the vagina. And once again, why are we asking these questions? Because it's about being educated, not being about you know flippant or necessarily right. edgy. These are questions you should know. So if you don't know this, or if, or if you think you know, it's like over 10, and you go, what the heck just happened? It was under one minute. Well, you know, you got to consider some of the dynamics and then adjust to it. So, okay, let's go on. Let's see. Emily, one for five now? Uh, yes, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How often do most couples uh, have intercourse? Is It's question seven. Once a day or more? five or six times a week, two to four times a week, once a week, or less than once a week? First, I would ask how long they've been together. And then... A month. A month? <laughs> a month. Okay. <laughs> then it would be... Less than one if it's like 50 years. <laughs> I can't answer that question. Um, let's say if they were together for a long time, I would say, like, years. Then I would say less than once a week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why, why, why are we putting a time dynamic to this? I mean... Because it, it matters. Well, it does. Are you saying that passion produces more of the... Certainly. Yeah, right. I, I'll okay. say that. Okay. I mean, well, passion lives another day. I'll let, you, I'll let you go with that, both of you. Now, the answer, actually, is C, two to four times a week. Two to four times a week. Right. Okay. But, but 40% of the sample, now, the majority said... Two to four times a week, but 40% of the sample said once a week or less than once a week. Those, those are the folks who've been together a long time. Yeah. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that now. And we still need a caller to give us a shout. Yeah, definitely call in. What's the number again? 432 oh, Here we so go. Well. Do we have a question for them? I'm sorry. Do we have a question for them? Yeah, the question was uh, Is it possible for men to have more than one orgasm? Per ejaculation. In other words, you can have multi 
orgasm before you ejaculate. Correct. So if you, and someone you know, or you have the information, <laughs> please call in. Or you can just nope. join the conversation. Yeah. Nobody ever, nobody ever gets that one right, so I kind of just gave it away. But let's, let's go on to this question. This is one of those permission questions. Uh, question 11. What percentage of American women would you estimate have masturbated either as children or after they were adults? What percentage would you say? Would you say it's A, less than 1 out of 10, B, less than 10 percent, C, 10 to 30, D, 30 to 60, E, 60 to 80, or F, 80 to 100? I Emily? Would, I would say C, 10 to 30 percent. Oh, my God, What's, woman, how long have you been on this program with us? Well, I was just, I was just... <laughs> hey, not everyone knows this stuff. It's, this actually is not right anymore, because the answer was 60 to 80 percent, and now it's higher. Oh, wow. Higher. Why do you think it's higher now? I, well, it's self-report as well, most of the time for surveys, but I think slightly there's been a shift. Um, that it's okay to talk about it. Um, there's, I mean, think of the pop culture um there's you know the sex in the city that was very plain about mm -hmm. that um there's been movies about that sitcoms still and comedies and dramas now um i think that along the same lines that maybe animal house didn't help but um it shows that it's okay for women to have that conversation with their friends if not at least themselves it's not this awful taboo thing and we have our second right. caller Good. of the evening. Caller, you are on Impact's Exposure. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. So do you have the answer to our question that we gave out absolutely. on air? Absolutely, yep, I think it's yes. You'd be absolutely right. Yes. Now there's yes. going to be a lot of men out there that are shocked by that. Oh man, I've experienced it, it's great. <laughs> I love that. That's I so love great. the fact that you developed that. <laughs> Thank you. And what was the question again? Just and for the, people are just the question in. was: Is it possible for men to have more than one orgasm per ejaculation? And what most men don't know is that having one orgasm per ejaculation is a learned response. It can be unlearned. There's actually a book out there called The Multi-Orgasmic Male yeah. that teaches you how to be able to control your ejaculation and have multi orgasms. But right. you are absolutely right, caller. <laughs> Thank so, you. Let me ask you while you're on the air. Sure, Were you surprised absolutely. about the, the question about the percentage of American women who report masturbating? Uh, actually, I must have missed that one. Okay. We, we'd, asked, uh, we'd asked Emily, and she got that wrong again, just by saying that what percentage of American women report having masturbated either as children or as a grown and, and the percentage is really around 80% now. Does that surprise you? Okay, no, absolutely not. Why doesn't that surprise you, if you can tell us? Uh, I do it, and I think a lot of people feel comfortable with themselves, and if you're comfortable with your sexuality, then I don't find it a problem. Do you think it's 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 less of a problem these days for women that the, because of Sex in the City and some of the things we're talking about, it's, there's more permission to either explore or at least admit it? Uh, I don't, you know, I can't really say that because I don't watch Sex in the City. Okay. Um, but I'm very in tune with my body and how my body works, and I have long-standing sexual relationships, um, and I find I have an extremely healthy sex life. You can ask you one last question. You you can choose not to answer this. How did you become comfortable with your body? How, if you were to share something with the audience about being comfortable with your body as a woman, how did you become comfortable with it? Um, I've always been one to not hold back on the things that I want. 
So I think when I was with my partners, I was pretty upfront. Hey, you know what? I'm. I know what I want, and I'd like to. You know, be enhanced or enticed by things I have to give. So, if some places, um, you know, within our sex life, if I can tell you what I like, and you don't mind me sharing, you know, and vice versa, then you know, it's so. I guess just making sure that you're pretty upfront with things. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't have any you know, tactic to it or anything like that. It just kind of came to me. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, of a Spanish descent, so it's... We, we, we appreciate... <laughs> We, we appreciate your candidness with us uh, because I think that's a difficult topic to talk to folks about. Is how do you become comfortable with your body, and how do you feel? How do you become comfortable with your partner to say, "This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I don't want." So thank you. Well, yeah, and you know, in the beginning, it was it was kind of um, in the beginning. I just thought, "Well, that's crazy. I would never do that." But that was in my young age, and then after I, you know, grew up a little, I just thought, "Oh, well, it's not too bad." But I can tell you, I actually don't even, um, I, I don't insert anything, let's put it that way. Um, so it's more the, uh, the stimulator. Okay. Well, thank you. So, Thanks so much. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Well, she got that right. She and so, uh, you know, it's, it's a... As, as I've seen that book on your desk as I've passed by a few times, Erica, and I know you've talked to folks about, you know, uh, the multi-orgasmic male. I mean, it's a shocker to most men that you can actually have. <laughs> Kevin's over there smiling. Well, I'm, I was just thinking you probably got some listeners on Amazon.com or something right. looking up where to find that book. Well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good book, actually, and it's one of those instructional books. I mean, there's, there's a program out, out there called also Becoming Orgasmic. And it's, it's a great book and a great program that a lot of women use, too, who, who are finally, you know, I think what she's saying is what we want to say too is that there's you have permission to be find pleasure and you have permission to to touch your body only doing things you're comfortable with and fit within your values and religion and stuff like that but it's all right to do it so so our, what are we now one for six or one for seven maybe six one for six -ish. we'll do that okay so uh let's go to this one uh most heterosexual women prefer a sexual partner with a larger-than-average penis, A, true, or B, false? And what would be average, just for us? Well, we had, that's, next, that's a question coming oh, up. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I don't want to get that's out of the That's all right. Game. No, you can say that. <laughs> you can say it. So, Emily, what do you think? I would say false. Emily would be right. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmingly, uh, the people in the survey said women prefer, it's not the size. I mean, we, we've heard all these slogans in the past, not the size is what you do with it. But it's really not about a larger an average size. Now, so what is the, uh, uh, let's see, let me find that question. Okay, what do you think is the length of the average man's erect penis? Is it A, 5 inches, B, 6 inches, C, 7 inches, 8, or D, 8 inches, or E, over 8 inches, which we call the purple helmet warrior, warrior of love, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you Say think, Emily? More time. I feel like everyone references the, the 6 inches figure. Is and? that right? The answer is? But average is 5 to 7, yeah. so 6 is good. Six it's is five. It's, it's between 5 and 7, mm -hmm. right? It's, that's the average length of it. And a lot of people don't necessarily get that right. Okay, here we go. 
This is this is the blast blockbuster for you, Emily. Okay. Let's see. She's got what two right. for seven now, Kevin. You keeping I track? Know, I lost it. <laughs> we'll keep her anyway. <laughs> problems with erections. Now, once again, problems with erections for men most often start with a physical problem. A true or B false? I didn't answer that question because I was a little confused. I mean, what are the mental problems, emotional problems? Those are the other options, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I would say, when you have those other problems involved, I would say that physical problem isn't the, the utmost problem that causes okay. issues. Kevin, what would you think? I would say, yeah. Most problems, uh, most problems with erections with men start with a physical problem? No. I thought you said with okay. the... So you would say no. I would say no. You'd say Sorry. no. And you would join Emily in the <laughs> wrong column. Because most erectile problems start with a physical, physical. problem. They're almost, almost all the time organic. We, we have this myth that they start with you know, emotional problems or mental problems. No. We get, we get folks coming into the health center all the time that want to you know, uh, uh, get Viagra or something else. And once we send them through an organic checkup, they usually find that there's a problem organically with the, with the erection and not necessarily uh, mental. But a lot of people think it's it's mental or emotional, but it's really it's really physical. So a lot of erectile problems start with physical problems. So, so right, gentlemen, Emily, got another one wrong. Shaking <laughs> her head here. Uh, I am not sexy, sex educated. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> here we go. Uh, and this this data has changed a bit. More than one out of four American men have had a sexual relationship with another man, either as a teenager or adult. So one out of four American men have reported some type of relationship with another man. Uh, you know, I would love to say true, but I have a feeling it's false. Well, you got to go with your gut sometimes, Emily. It's actually true. Wow. And, and you know, we're not talking a full-blown relationship, and that we're not necessarily saying that, that they have identified as being gay, but they have had a relationship one way or another. Uh, now that data has changed a bit, but it's still around the 20 to 20, 25 percent. See, I thought I was skewed because I came from the music school from undergrad, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll accept that. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. We've covered every word so far from clitoris to, so we might as well go this one too. What percentage of American women would you estimate have Engaged in anal intercourse. Anal intercourse. Wait, anal where's intercourse, that question anal at? Intercourse. That's question 17. I think you... Did you answer that? Oh, yeah, first? yeah. Did you answer uh, that? Oh, one? I guess I didn't read the question correct. <laughs> <laughs> I she, don't remember. She, she, aborted, she aborted the question. I would say... Okay, so we got 10 to 20%, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, or more than 40%. Uh, I'm just going to say 10 to 20, but I'm sure it's more than that. <laughs> We love Emily, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually C, 30 to 40 percent. Uh, and that's women who have reported being involved in anal intercourse. And why would, why would most women, do you think, uh, choose to be involved in anal intercourse? Well, I don't think that, oh, you want mm, most women. And I, I use the term choose very lightly. Oh, okay. because it's not really their choice. <laughs> Sometimes it's not their choice. It. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's one of those... Things that aren't explained, and so people like want to try oh, this yeah. overglorified thing. So the pressure. Oh, that, well, yeah. I'm other, just throwing that out. One other two reasons. There's two reasons why we found in this study why women uh, either choose to be involved or go along with being involved in intercourse. Two reasons. One. I'm not sexy either. 
Well, no. One, one being that it, it eliminates the chance of being pregnant. Mm. Oh, in a, yes. in a post. And two, a lot of folks, a lot of women don't uh, think that being involved in intercourse is the B word. So you can still retain virginity. Right. Oh. So maybe that that's really brings us home to question number one, in which who gets the most pleasure from lovemaking? Men. Well, <laughs> then that doesn't make it right. Oh, that's, uh, but, it, but it does, you know, women or men report more overwhelmingly that they get more pleasure from lovemaking. And I think it's because of a lot of these things we've, you know, touched on tonight and talked about. Uh, I think men are more comfortable with their body. I think men are more comfortable uh, asking sometimes demanding mm -hmm. what they want without uh, you know giving their partner a choice and we never ever condone that no. ever I mean this should be all about communication but yeah it doesn't surprise me that men report finding more enjoyment out of lovemaking than women do um, because of some of these questions now if you want any uh, additional questions or would like to talk to us at Olin yes or on air Four three two three eight nine three. You hey. won't say your name on air. You can ask any question you'd like, or, well, or join the conversation. This one's, a, this one's a giveaway. I mean, uh, an erection is a sure sign that the man is highly aroused. A true, or B false. False. Good, Emily. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Bravo. But I think some people, you know, uh, some people uh, might be misconstrued. Yep. Well, here's here's another one. We'll do this one. Uh, your lover says you're undersexed while you think he or she is oversexed. Could you both be right? A, yes. B, no. I was confused by this question. So, <laughs> so I think I'm undersexed and my partner thinks they're oversexed. I mean, could you both be right? If you say, Certainly. well, you're undersexed and she or you he says you're oversexed. You guys maybe didn't communicate as to where you guys wanted to reach. When you, when you say undersexed, oversexed, as in... Wanting, wanting more, more wanting or less, less frequency, okay. duration, stuff like that. Certainly. And really, it's kind of a trick question. So, Emily, you're, you're on safe ground saying I was a little confused because really it's no, because most times it's about figments of imagination or conditioning or what you're used to. So to say, you know, you're undersex because you only want it once a week and I want it three times a week, that doesn't make sense because each individual is individualized in what well, they want. And it changes, too, over time. And there's lots of things that affect that. And so that could also shift in relationship about the person that feels oversexed is now undersexed or vice versa. Well, you, are you copping uh, sides with Emily and say that as you get older, there's less? No, I didn't say older. You <laughs> <laughs> said over time. Maybe it's we'll go seasonally. Maybe it's wintertime. We'll, we'll we're, we're just not happy during the wintertime. So. <laughs> You're uh, funny. It's not a lot of question, you know? Yeah, this is, go skiing, but... <laughs> Well, Kevin, do you want to talk about a couple of these things on the agenda before I go into any other questions about things that are coming up? And you can keep going. Um, just some updates. Uh, uh, Student Health Services, Olin Health Center's In Your Face Theater Troupe uh, is looking for actors, writers, singers, uh, musicians. Uh, tomorrow we have, we're actually holding auditions in the Towers Room on the fourth floor of the Union at 7.30. So that's at the Union on the fourth floor in the Towers Room if you are interested in becoming a part of our sex edutainment crew. So what, what do you do in your face? In your face, we talk about sex facts. We uh, talk about it all, kind of like what we're doing here. Um, but in a hour to 45 minute long format where we have funny skits addressing um, uh, the proper way to put on a condom and the fun way to put on a condom and then serious topics like uh, dating violence and uh, 
abstinence, in fact, which which we kind of touched on. So you're going on the next show. You're going to actually describe how to put a condom on with your mouth, right? How to put on? I will explain it on air. But if they want to see it. <laughs> but if they want to see it, you can definitely come uh, see us starting in October. Um, we can go around to the different neighborhoods into the different residence halls. Uh, so if you are a listener and you're living in the residence halls, uh, let your uh, mentors know to book us if you would like us to come. We are free. Um, and we will show you stuff in your face. And so all sorts of freebies. Right, and again, we're having auditions tomorrow in the Union on the fourth floor in the Towers Room at 7.30. So if you or your friends want to get involved writing, uh, singing, uh, playing different instruments, or acting, performing, uh, come on out. And, and I would encourage you, and I think Emily would, would go along with us in saying that if you ha we have uh, quite a few... Uh, topics that we're going to come up in the next couple of months with exposure. but if you have any suggestions or people you'd like us to bring on or topics you'd like us to talk about, then they can get a hold of Impact, right? Yep, and, and the, you can email me at exposure at impact89fm.org, and you can find that email on the website at impact89fm.org, and you also can stream live to the show. Um, and this show, Sexposure, is at the second Tuesday of every month. You can stream live, and also our podcasts are also online. And we, we, we may hit the streets and ask people questions about sex and bring you into the studio by virtue of that. Right, Emily? Let's do it. We're going to do that. What else, Captain? What else? We uh, nothing. I mean, going if you don't want to wait to talk about whatever sexual topic, call in now, and we'll talk about it for the next six minutes. But um, <laughs> And that's 432-3893. But basically, we're talking about sexual health and healthy sexuality. I guess uh, I, I thought it was interesting, kind of the semantics of it all, uh, what the differences between a healthy sexuality and uh, sexual health are. What are those differences? And Dr. D, I'm going to ask you a question right now. <laughs> what is the difference between a healthy sexuality and sexual health? Is there a difference? Well, you know, you're, you're asking a uh, an hour and a half question. Oh, and asking it. Well, we got six minutes. What do you, you say? Know, well, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's a difference between we talk about uh, what are the traits of a healthy, a sexually healthy adolescent and a sexually healthy college student, mm -hmm. and the difference there's a difference between you're free of STIs, which are sexually transmitted infections, not diseases, and you're free of an unwanted pregnancy, and you're free of any. Uh, uh, sexual violence against yourself or unwanted sex, that's one thing. But being sexually healthy also is about the proactive stuff that every individual needs to be, like feeling good about your body, standing in front of the mirror and feeling comfortable with, with the size of your penis or the, the conditions of, of your breasts or, uh, and, and how to interact with another human being. You know, both uh, both across both genders, and how to negotiate sexual activity, and whether your sex life is good, whether you've been with somebody a month or longer, uh, how to have those discussions we're talking about. I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to be equipped with that information? To me, and you know it, I'm not going to get on that soapbox, but health is about freedom, and the only way you can be free to do the kind of stuff we're talking about tonight, about having those negotiations with somebody else, is having all the information you need. To me, that's a sexually healthy person. If a person has a sexually transmitted infection, they can still, still be a healthy sexual person. If a person has a normal they can still be a healthy sexual person. Just because something has happened doesn't mean you're not healthy. It's all about, you know, body image. It's about uh, feeling good about yourself. It's about asking permission and, and giving permission and knowing how to negotiate those things. And then, you know, if, if there's only two things that uh, Bill Masters, my old teacher from Masters and Johnson, used to say that sex is good for. Sex is about 
pleasure or procreation. <laughs> and if you're not having it for one of those reasons, then you need to ask yourself why you're doing it. And so to me, having sexual activity either with yourself or with somebody else is about uh, exchanging pleasure, having pleasure, intimacy, or it's about procreation. And if you're having it for one of those other reasons, then you need to kind of stop and ask yourself. To me, that's what a sexually healthy adult is, okay. is knowing how that is. It's not being free of, and that's mostly our politics is all about being free of HIV, which everybody wants to be, or being free of STIs. Or, that's not being a sexually healthy adult. Sexually healthy adult is someone who can say, I know how to do this. Right. I know my body. I'm comfortable. Like the woman. That's why I asked her, how did you become comfortable with your body? That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Even our I, answer. I, know, I know some of the best speakers on sexuality in the country, and I ask them, are you comfortable with your body? I'll say, well, as long as the lights are on, <laughs> or as long as I'm not standing in front of a mirror, you know, and it's like, you know. Dude, you talk about sexual That wasn't an hour and a half long answer. Okay, that was sorry. good. But would I be right into putting it into a Kevinism in saying that... A Kevinism, a I like Kevinism that. A Kevinism that uh, sexual health, put simply, is kind of caring for your body, whether it be checking your uh, for testicular cancer or breast cancer uh, or even STI testing. And then on the flip side, healthy sexuality could be wrapped into knowing your body, telling people, being able to tell people what you like, putting simple one-minute-long answer. Would I be correct in saying that? I think you would. You know, it's, it's the difference between, you know, if we got into, you know, we, we were talking pre-show a little bit about what shows over the last couple of years have drawn the most fire from people, and we talked about sex education. It's really about how you look at whether we, how we educate people. Is it going to be from an erotic perspective, or is it going to be from a, you know, uh, fear perspective? And most of what's taught in the U.S. is about from a fear perspective. Avoid STIs, yada, 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 yada. We know that. How often do we talk about from an erotic perspective, like caring for your body, accepting pleasure, knowing it's about pleasure, knowing it's about, you know, having negotiations and feeling good about yourself. How many times do people stand out there? I inadvertently put something on, on a meeting today. It said, love your body day. And I, I, I inadvertently put uh, love your vagina day. And a VD. Sure, Somebody asked me, what does love your VD mean? I said, well, actually, it's about vagina. <laughs> and they said, no kidding. I mean, we actually have a day. I said, no, but I just made it up. Yeah. Love your vagina day. And how many people can say that? You know, I love my vagina. You know, some men sit around saying, I love my penis. But, <laughs> yeah, no, right. That's what healthy sexuality is to me. I love my vagina. Well, with well. that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank Olin Health Center for coming in for the second Tuesday of the month, which we'll be doing every second Tuesday of the month this year, um, unless we're not in school. Uh, so please tune in. You can tune in online. You can stream online at impact89fm.org. You can listen to the podcast if you missed it. Um, and if you have an idea for a show, please email me at exposure at impact89fm.org. I'm Emily Fox, and in the studio are our Olin Health Center sex advocates and 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 experts. Sex experts. Sex experts. And I hope you tune in the second Tuesday of next month in October, which is the thirteenth. Is it? I no. Believe. It's well, maybe today's the thirteenth. Well, and, and look forward to our tweets and to our messages. We'll tell you what's coming up next because you're gonna love it. Yes, yeah, so, certainly. So please tune in and thank you so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.